Before we get into today's episode, we just wanted to make a quick announcement. On the day of this recording, Max and I, alongside the rest of the Watch fam, were hit with the tragic news of Risti's sudden passing. Today the community lost one of the pillars on which it stood, a kind, supportive, funny, and loving member who was always there for the rest of us. Our deepest condolences go out to his friends and family. Carter, this one's for you. Rest easy, brother. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Across Time Zones. On this episode, we sit down with Daniel, aka Dan T. Mueller. Daniel is the head of operations at Fratello Magazine and an absolute watch nut with an incredible backstory starting with working as a cruise director. We talk about our watch preferences, Omega Limited Editions, community, and the world of Fratello watches. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Across time zones. Hi guys. Hey, how's it going? Hello from Germany. Hi, Daniel. Good evening. Hi, OT. Hi, Max. Hey. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've been a listener from the beginning and really like the format and obviously been uh, following you guys before that as well. And yeah, just glad to be here and have a little chat about watches. Oh, we appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you for coming to have on. You. Yeah, th- yeah. Thanks for having me. And you know, Max, we actually almost met at Basel World. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> almost. Not even sure what happened. Uh, there were a lot of people which yeah. uh, I tried to connect with, but somehow our schedule were so all over the place. Yeah. How how long? How many days were you in Basel in the end? Uh, I think I was. Three or four days, I don't remember. Okay, so it's, two nights, two or three nights. I, I don't remember. Yeah, same I mean, I hardly me. remember the nights, to be honest. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's all a blur for you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It I know at some point I FaceTimed OT. I was with Chase from Oak and Oscar, and we FaceTimed OT. You did? It was, yeah, it was around, I don't know, 2 a.m., something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was from, like 4 o'clock my time. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it was some weird hour at, uh, at uh, the Three Kings. Ah, yeah, the, the Le Trois Rois, how it's called, right? Yeah, I, exactly. I read about the get-together, I saw that as well. But I, on Friday evening, that's the one I actually invited you to, or I told oh, you about you the Oris event. you were going to the, the Oris event. event, yeah. Yes. yeah. That's where we were going, and I, I think I arrived on Friday noonish, something like that. And then I stayed until Sunday evening. Because at that time, officially, I was not even working for Fratello yet. I was still working with my old job, so I couldn't really attend the the whole nine yards of the entire event because I didn't uh, couldn't take that much time off. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll have uh, we'll have the chance to to grab a few drinks. Yeah, there's always the next watch show or event. So yeah, even if Basel, you, you guys that. are also you're also fairly close to each other. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, but we jumped right into it. Yeah, yesterday we were on the same time zone. Today we're one hour apart. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, but we jumped right into it. And, you know, um, 
we've yeah. had to skip traditions here, so I don't want to mess things up. <laughs> I I just noticed. No, that's that quite I, all right. I missed my uh, as I just told you, it ot. We have some friends over here, and the house is full with kids. I actually forgot to get my podcast beer. So when the question comes up, what we're drinking, I'm gonna have to say nothing. <laughs> oh no! I I pretty much rated the mini bar directly, and the only thing they had was beer. So okay, beer would have been appropriate right now. Yeah, I know you are a whiskey connoisseur, um, but not connoisseur per se. It's more like uh, into. He just likes to drink. Yeah, just, I, I just like. I to just drink. want a sugar coated. <laughs> you know, you drink everything that yeah. has alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I drink everything, except for cocktails. I don't do mm. cocktails. Yeah, much. I'm like that too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't do rum. But later I can maybe tell you a story how I bought my first mechanical watch. And actually that involves a heavy night of drinking cocktails. Oh, sounds yes, interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so before we, we jump, before we jump into all of this, which sounds really, really exciting and interesting, um, why don't we start with a, a wrist and time check? So Daniel, you're our guest. Why don't you please get us started? Yes, sir. My time zone is GMT plus two. I'm based in Constance, Germany, on the German-Swiss border. And I am actually wearing the first Omega and Speed, uh, first, first, I messed that one up, first Omega and Space Speedmaster, the watch that actually kind of got me the job at Fratello. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, got a story to tell there later on as well. Awesome. Great. What about you, Max? Uh, I'm currently a GMT plus three. And um, I'm wearing, in honor of our guest, I brought my Speedy on a uh, Spectre NATO, which is probably my favorite combo in the world. Very cool. And I'm Very drinking nice. beer for some reason. <laughs> but yeah. Very good. Yeah, drink one for me as well. So, you know, I'm suffering here in my... Within the show, I might sound a bit hoarse and dehydrated, but I, I hope I'll survive. <laughs> so I'm on my second one. While setting up all the stuff, I'm currently sitting on the floor uh, okay. with the mic. Uh, the mic doesn't even have that fancy arm. It just has the basic legs. And uh, I have two beers next to me. One is... Well, well actually, it's an empty bottle, and I have two full <laughs> bottles. And I think... After uh, after that point, I'll probably have to do room service or something like that. Or just lie down and pass out. Yeah, you're already on the floor. You might as well. No. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of like a light drinker, so I need like half a bottle of scotch to pass out. So (laughs) a couple beer might be a bit too much for me. That's funny. And and you, um, OT. So it is nine eleven in the morning here in California, which I think is GMT minus eight, I want to say. Um, and I am wearing um, a Zodiac um, with Topper Jewelers Limited um, White Wolf, which is a, a collaboration that Topper Jewelers Hindeberia did with Zodiac on a Watch Gecko rubber or tropic rubber strap as um, after we finish recording, my family and I will be heading to a water park. As I think oh, it yes. is projecting 40 plus degrees Celsius today here. So uh, we'll be cooling by that the is, water. That is nice. Yeah, have a, have a good one there. Please no pictures from the pool because last weekend you kind of made me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so Daniel, um, 
Max and I are, are big fans, but for those who aren't familiar with you, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um, my name, yeah, Daniel Mueller. I, um, because, you know, you guys always do it that you, you know, go along the, the hashtags of Instagram. Haven't been active on Instagram that long as other people have been um, in the game for such a long time, I think. I just started like pretty much one and a half years ago posting kind of regularly and, you know, getting more involved with the watch fam, so to say. And yes, really, really enjoyed that format because up to then I actually only place I interacted with uh, watch people was more or less via um, people I met uh, over YouTube comments and on uh, Facebook watch groups, which is a whole different topic of its own. And yes, and as of the 1st of June, now let's say nine days ago, I officially became the head of operations for Fratello Watches. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you very much. So depending on how this podcast go, uh, maybe at the end of this <laughs> podcast and when this airs, I might not be anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to make you look good. <laughs> yeah, let's see. RJ and Robert Jan and the other team members are really cool. And they actually posted a picture of Frank the Tank, you know, the yes. um, <laughs> Will Ferrell, because that used to be my nickname during college times. And you can imagine why. Oh, I love this. And when we had already had the topic of, it's actually one of my favorite all-time movies. And I think the first movie I ever watched with the director's commentary. <laughs> and yeah and they posted a picture of frank the tank on the fratello watches feed on saturday and he said like here welcome and now get to work p.s don't fuck it up <laughs> like that. and for, for those listening uh daniel correct me if i'm wrong but you're referring to the movie old school with will ferrell right yes sir i think it's the same the same director who later on did one of the uh, what was it the movies with Carlos, Carlos, the baby, Hangover. I yes. think so, but I have to look that up later. I don't, you know, sorry if he listens, but I don't really remember the name of that director anymore, but an awesome movie. One of my all-time favorites. So, Daniel, um, let's take a step back in time. Um, a young Daniel is entering the professional career part of his life <laughs> okay. and becomes a cruise director. <laughs> on riverboat cruises, cruise ships in the Netherlands. Yeah. I want to know all about that. <laughs> okay, not to digress too far, but uh, my, it interacts or goes along with my love of watches as well and how I first got in touch um, or in contact with watches was my dad, who unfortunately passed away last year but had a, a good age of almost 80. But... He actually went on a 20-year-long world trip um, lasting from the second day of Easter, 1964, until the second day of Easter, 1984. And he only took his friend with him and two guitars and a little 16, now listen, it's 1-6, 16-horsepower du chevaux in French, a uh, ducky car, like one of these little French cars. And they... Uh, took that car with them and traveled all over the world, covering over 80 countries. 
And he actually ended up being in the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest oh. trip in one vehicle. And oh, so sorry to interrupt. Is that a uh, Citroen yeah. uh, two CV? Yes, sir. Oh, Citroen, sweet. You're gonna, that's yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Because you know, it's French. You know, the French obviously don't say anything in English, or so they, they say deux chevaux. But for exactly Citroen two CV. Yes, that's right. Oh, cool. Those are cool. Man, I haven't heard I haven't heard that brand in so long. I grew up in Europe, so oh, I, I grew up with Peugeot and Citroën and all those brands that you just don't see in North America. Yes, and um, and I actually still have his watch, and then a whole different story is uh, watch uh, Rolex sixteen seventy five GMT. That's the one that got stolen that he actually bought in nineteen sixty seven, which would have been. You know, an heirloom piece to the family, but that unfortunately got stolen in 1989 during the German reunification, where my dad organized a big concert and get-together in Eastern Germany and actually organized to get a major German soccer team there, Werder Bremen, who may ever know them. And anyway, but he took his watch off for a second, put it on the big speaker, so to say, you know, that tells you that my dad wasn't really a watch guy put it on a giant speaker and then it unfortunately got stolen and never turned up again but anyway that's because my dad was such a traveling man that was first of all the reason because why i was born in the states in america actually in your time zone ot in carson city nevada and then grew up until i was about five six years old in santa monica and why i was so much interested in in tourism and traveling and that's got, that got me to travel to study cruise industry management with marketing um, in Bremerhaven, northern Germany. And yeah, that's how I then, during my studies, which actually took quite a while because I traveled a lot during those as well. Actually, first I worked as a, as a tour guide on a little cruise ship and then later as a cruise director. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And, and especially as well in the Netherlands where Fratello Watches HQ is based. So that is the kind of full circle there. So uh, what was the first watch you wanted to get? The first watch you really want like, oh, I need to have this one or I let, let me buy. It doesn't matter if it's a Swatch or if it's a whatever. Uh, what was the first one which kind of like sparked your enthusiasm for, for watches? It, it was, yeah, it actually was my dad who came, as I said, he had a, um, a Dugena, um, that's a German brand, a Dugena Tropica. He bought that in 1963 as he saw, um, what's his name again, Sean Connery and Dr. No, and he saw him wearing the Rolex Submariner and having, you know, actually, because back then it was quite a big deal to have a watch with which you could dive. And when he saw that movie... As he said, you know, I want to have a water-resistant watch as well, and he got that Dugena, and that's the watch that he took on his world trip with him. And then later on, he, you know, became kind of a Rolex guy. Um, in the 60s, uh, he bought himself the, the GMT Master 1, and then later, the day-date president in all gold with a diamond-encrusted bezel <laughs> with with money that he earned playing for the GIs uh, in, during the Vietnam conflict. 
playing music there. But long story short, one day when I was in my teens, early teens, he brought a Rolex catalog home and I flipped through it and actually saw a lot of people. I obviously was aware of the brand Rolex, but didn't see a lot of watches that I really liked. And especially when my dad mentioned that they really cost a lot of money. But then I saw this one watch and that was the 114 to 17 to 70 back then the 36 millimeter uh, explorer and yeah that's the watch where i said okay one day i'd really like to have that watch so um more or less um advanced time to like 17 years later i think that was the first mechanical watch that i bought myself um it was the successor then the 214 270 the 39 millimeter um, Explorer, which now is referred as the non-numed Lumeros stubby hand Explorer because, um, you know, we have the new Explorer that came out, I think, what was it last year or the year, year before? 2016. 2016 even. That one with the numed, loomed numerals and the little bit longer hand. So the one I have um, had like a running time from 2000. 11 or so to 2015 16 yeah and a lot and of that's a lot of coming, people are, are coming to your question sorry go ahead oh, no that's just max coming to your question that is the first watch i really really wanted and although i bought um, I even remember the first watch that i bought with my own money that was a citizen that kind of re resembled the explorer look um, but that was the first mechanical watch i bought that was 2013 wow that's cool I noticed, uh, at least in my case, and the first watch you buy kind of like settles the trend for the other watches you buy. Like my first watch was a kind of like rhodium grayish dial, of simple no date Timex. That's the first watch I bought ever. And if I look at it now, it looks fairly similar to every watch <sighs> I own. It's kind of like, it's not a black dial, admittedly, but it's uh, it's okay. gray sunburst enough that it could kind of like look black in some uh, lighting situations. And I feel like uh, when you start out and you get your first one, that kind of like defines your future purchase. I mean, it's not a rule, but it's that's kind of like I noticed with a few people, which is interesting. That's that's super interesting because I'm thinking about as you're saying this. I've never thought about that. When as you're saying this, I'm thinking about some of the the early watches that I had, and there was definitely a couple like three six nine or twelve three six nine dials. There you go. Because um, I also grew up, you know, loving the Explorer uh, amongst some others, and and ultimately the Explorer is my favorite watch. As Daniel, I think you and I know, we share that love. Yes, uh, and, and yeah. the listeners as so, well. Yeah, that's really interesting, Max. I wonder, to anyone listening, um, let us know if you have a similar trend like that. That uh, Yeah, that's really interesting, Max. I think some, somebody pointed it out. So I posted the, the watch in a story at some point, and uh, somebody like messaged me and said, oh, uh, it kind of like fits your style. I was like, oh, really? That watch is like over almost, I don't know, 20, 20 25 years old something like that oh, no about 20 years old uh, i got it 20 years ago but um 
I was like, oh, cool. And then I looked at it. Yeah, it kind of fits my style. It's simple, no date, no fuss, like simple markers, no numerals, nothing. Super, super clean. I think one line of text, uh, like very, very clean. Nice. And it came on a bracelet as well. But it's it's it was an interesting uh, interesting thought. Like oh, hmm. then I started asking around, and then I noticed like people posting their first watch. Oh, interesting. Like the the things they like now, kind of like originated in their first watches. Not hundred percent, but it's like you you could see the preference. Like in Ot's case with a three six nine, or in your case as well with the same watch. It's you can feel the trend. You know what's really funny too is the the zodiac I'm wearing right now also is a three six nine twelve dial. <laughs> I definitely have it there. When is for... the last? Excuse me, Oti. When is the last time you posted that one on the gram? Because I haven't seen that one um, in a while. Maybe a couple. Because weeks? it's all it's Three it's weeks? all explorers, and then I see the um, shout out to Jason from Helios, the World of Edition C fourth. Then I see an Oaken Oscar and a Kaki. Uh, no it's actually club, but there it is. Yeah. There it is. Um, yeah, with this funky bezel yep. and the blue color. Yes, that is a nice uh, one. The one just before it. The white, oh, okay, because the white bezel. Uh, with the white, okay, because this picture is one that the IG algorithm took from me. I haven't really seen that one, and that's the one with the yellow bezel. Now that's the other one. Yeah, so so oh, Topper man. Topper did a limited edition, a, a, th- a trio of limited editions with Zodiac. There's the the blue and white bezel, the black and yellow bezel, and then the white bezel. Um, and I'm wearing the white bezel one I'm, right now. Now I'm on. I'm talking. Yeah, right. Okay, that one. Yeah, another one I didn't see. It was really, don't want to, because I know you guys addressed it before on the podcast, don't want to dig in too deep with the entire crap situation Instagram turned into with the algorithm. But I just noticed again and again that a lot of accounts that I actually interact with on a regular basis that I just don't see posts for them for days or weeks. And then I stumble on back onto their account and see like, I think once or twice I even counted. I didn't even see like the last twenty plus posts of some people. Yeah, it's 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 a mess. I was talking talking to um, one yeah. of our good friends of the podcast, Yuren um, Buiger. Oh, sorry if I butchered that. Um, I'll link his account in the show notes. But him and I were talking this morning just about that and how the algorithm is all. It doesn't make any sense if you try to 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 try and kind of reason what happens you'll just end up pulling your hair i think at this point yeah but yeah sorry for even bringing that topic up anyway that's an not awesome watch and all. yeah really like what what they've done cool thank you but actually who who you guys actually know someone who got the um the zodiac gmt how many did they only release uh, i think it was around 100, 100 the, some, if i'm not mistaken yeah because i just i just posted a watch on Instagram, I think this morning or for you last night of the Doxa Sub Two Hundred, yeah, really uh, cool, one hundred and thirtieth edition. They all only released hundred thirty of them, but you know Doxa anyway, being so low key and not really doing good press work, so to say, is is all you can uh, tell. I don't even know if they already released them or if they're all sold out or not because. I got some DMs after I posted that, and no one ever really heard about yeah. it. 
you know, everybody just heard about this obscene 70,000 euro gold watch that they did that I actually held in my a prototype I, because they didn't have the original one even finished yet or at Baselworld, they only had a prototype. So, but I handled the, the, the Doxa subs. And as I'm not, if I may say so, a fan of the typical Doxa cushion case shape, I actually like those. And this one was quite affordable as well with like oh, 1,190 Swiss francs or so. So that was um, good bang for yeah, I think it's it's really cool, and you're right. I hadn't. I don't think anyone covered that watch because uh, your post last night was the first I've seen. Yeah, and obviously, I I missed the um, the meeting we had, my colleagues for Telewatches had with Doxa. I missed like because otherwise, or I missed the one with Zodiac as well. If I, if we had one, because there were so many. Even with the th- in the three days I were I was there, I was like in whatever. 30 meetings or so with brands and back then um, I did the um, Instagram coverage my uh, colleagues in talked to the brand reps and took pictures for the for the coverage you know with the light box and professional pictures and I did either um, Instagram live feed or just took pictures for the gram give some coverage so but I didn't see the Zodiac GMT either yeah, that's a cool watch. Um, so yeah, just circling back to the to the cruise director bit. Um, when my wife and I, when yeah, my wife and I got married, we took a cruise, and one of the things I remember is that on the cruise there was uh, a duty free section, and in that section there were watches. So, in the time that you were mm-hmm. a cruise director, were you already interested in watches? And if so, was there an opportunity for you to? get anything cool on the ship or anything like that or were you not necessarily into watches just yet yes um, as i said the first watch that i bought with my own money was 2000 2000 i think 2001 Uh, by then i was 20 years old and that was the citizen and then i think during my studies that must have been in 2000 um, because you know I, i think back then i was still a tour guide but as I, the cruise director, a cruise director thing I did was mainly in Germany, so there wasn't really a, a big duty free. Oh, I see. While I was doing that, but once I did a cruise um, um, to Aruba, and there I really, you know, I had some money at that time. A lot of money for me was talking about like, like five hundred euros, six hundred dollars or something. And that's okay. I really want a good watch, and I had a couple of hours to spend and walked around Aruba and obviously for the people who've been there, very touristy and a lot of, you know, a lot of stores where you can buy stuff. And I walked into a Victorinox store and to others. And in the end, I ended up buying the Citizen Nighthawk EcoDrive, which is a design of its own, but more or less, if you want to say so, resembles the Navitimer from Breitling, more or less, although mm-hmm. it is not a homage anyway, it's like its own thing, which kind of on the other way contradicts uh, Max's theory. Sorry about that, because it's something totally different than an explorer. So maybe that just speaks... It still has the numerals, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it, it, at least the six. And I, I just Googled it. It has the 12 as well. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, didn't want to contradict your entire uh, theory, Max. 
depending on which one you have. So I just found an image on Google, which has the 369, like the latest one has the 369 dial. This is the moment where I could throw your bone and say, yes, that was it, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was the one with I think, <laughs> black, black dial and like white chapter ring and no yeah. numerals. So yeah, you have to prove that theory on someone else. <laughs> Maybe you can do an Instagram uh, poll later yeah, you should. and ask, ask the watch fam if like the first watch you've bought kind of coincides or goes along with the watches you've bought afterwards design-wise. I'll do that. Would be interesting to yeah. find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, gonna go dig up that watch. Your reach. Yeah, especially with your reach, Max, um, and your follower account should get some good amount of responses. Yeah, like there. three people will. Max, you're so popular. Will answer. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like I'm so, like the Beyonce so, of the watch fam. <laughs> so coming to your back to your question, out here not to digress too much because I tend to do that. Um, it was mainly the. Um, actually, the only one was the Citizen Nighthawk and back 2008. And after that, I didn't buy a watch um, until I, um, coming back to the story from the beginning, when I had a really good night out uh, in a cocktail bar. And um, before I kind of passed out in my bed, I went on eBay and saw a Rolex Explorer pop up that hasn't been bit it um, too high. And I said, okay, I already was aware of the market prices back then. And I typed in whatever, I'm not going to get it anyway, and typed in like 3,721 euros or something like that. And then in the next morning, we, um, because I live in Constance, right on the Swiss border, we went to Zurich. It was in August 2013. Went to Zurich and there was this crazy street parade going on. It's like, a, uh, I don't, not so good with all kinds of different kinds of music styles, but it was not only techno because I'm not really into techno, but it was kind of a um, yeah, an electronic music festival. It was really, really cool. And it was a freak show as well because so many people walking around in all kinds of funky outfits. And as I didn't have um, Swiss roaming, I didn't get any email updates how the how the auction was going because I, I think I was aware that it was ending the, the day after on Saturday. And, but then in the evening when we came back, first thing when I was back in Germany, I got an email saying you were the highest bidder. <laughs> and then I said, crap, I just bought myself a Rolex that I've been longing for for one and a half decades. And at that time, can't really even afford <laughs> because I bid it on it, you know, when I was drunk, but I made it happen and I still have to watch work while my first kid, my son was born and one day he will have it. And when he's about you know old enough, he will actually hear the story how I got to get that watch. <laughs> That's awesome. This proves my other theory, which uh, is alcohol always <laughs> makes you happy, one way or the other. Yeah, how did how did um, Homer uh, Homer Simpson say to alcohol the uh, the cause and solution to every problem? Exactly. Actually, the the solution, the cause. I'm pretty sure the cause is completely unrelated to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> 
and now uh, a specific beer brand needs to pay up because yeah, I'm kind of like promoting alcohol. Hey, what's the beer of your choice? You know, let's get some sponsoring in here. You know, I actually don't have a beer of choice. I typically reach out for whatever is on the like the top shelf. It's typically Corona. I don't know. I, I don't like Corona. I don't like. I don't. I'm not a big fan of beer, to be honest. <laughs> He's just drinking beer so he can be drinking alcohol. Yeah. Oh, you just have to make a little uh, a little skit from that sentence. You know, the first thing I reach for is Corona, and I don't really <laughs> like, like Corona. And actually, I don't even like beer, but I That's drink it anyway. That's a great commercial. <laughs> yeah, Corona needs to pay me now. So I don't like yeah. beer, but I reach for Corona. So, yeah. you know, when there you're you thirsty, you're, you're like, <laughs> imagine you're walking through a desert which in this case is a supermarket and you're like, I'm thirsty. I need a scotch. And then you see Corona with that halo around it. Like, then you grab the beer and then you open up the bottle in the, in the supermarket, have a sip. And then somebody like pushes you with the car, like move. And and then you wake up and you're like, Oh shit, I have to drive. That's funny. Sorry. Um, and, and you OT beer. Um, I'm also not a big beer drinker, but when I do drink beer, it would be some sort of Hefeweizen. So, Hefeweizen, yeah, okay. Like a, a white wheat beer. I don't like heavy yeah. beers. I don't like. I don't like dark beers. I don't like. I don't like hop. Like I don't like a lot of hop in beer. So okay. IPAs and things like that. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um, yeah same here. So I'm like not on the dark Ho Garden. Ho Garden is probably my go-to. Okay. I have to even admit, a Ho Garden. I don't even know that one. You know, just like, um, you know, Paulana, Erdinger and, you know, the German Hefeweizen brands. But I grew up in, in Germany, in, in Bremerhaven, and, but it's part of Bremen. And that's actually where the Beckspear, the green bottle Beckspear comes from. Cool. So I kind of grew up with that because, you know, legal drinking age in Germany. I don't even know if it still is. My son is 11 years old. Four and a half Four and a half years old, so I don't really have to know it yet. But it used to be 16 years of age for beer and wine. I don't know if they changed that. I have to look that up. That's probably the official one you can drink on the street, but I'm pretty sure everybody tries beer like when they're 10. Yeah, when I'm not 10, I think I was 12, 13 or something when I Plus drank minus. my first <laughs> beers. Yeah, Yeah. so if, if you do like half of Eisen, I recommend Hogarden. It's a, it's a Belgian beer that's really, really good. Okay, yeah, the the Belgian Belgian people really do know their beer. Unfortunately for me, you know, they do a lot of supposedly, and because I can't really say from experience, a lot of dark beers very well as well. But same as you, I'm not really into the dark beer. Cool. So yeah. again, we no, touched no, on now this. Now I miss a Racer Five. So sorry to cut <laughs> in. Like I miss a Racer Five. Isn't that an IPA? Yeah. Oh, I don't like that at all. Just one of my go-tos when I'm in like very weird dive bars in the mission. Well, if you ever come back here, I will buy you a Racer 5. If I ever, yeah. I will. <laughs> I shall return. I'm still waiting. <laughs> so Daniel, we, we touched on this earlier. Congratulations again on joining the Fratello team. Um, Max and I are big fans of the site and the work that you guys do, especially with the watch community. Um, how did that Thank all? You. How did that all come to be for you? The transition into uh, Fratello. Yes, you know, as you already said, um, um, studying cruise industry management, already being focused on marketing, but in a whole different sector. I 
worked for a publishing house the last couple of years, first as a product owner and then later on responsible for sales and distribution. And as I said earlier, that the watch that I'm wearing, the first Omega in space, Speedmaster, is kind of one of the reasons or the reason that connected me to Fratello watches in the first place. I got that watch in March 2016. And then I already was a Fratello reader and newsletter subscriber. But then uh, they had their news on them, their Speedy Tuesday event. And I think it was in November 2016, where they actually the more or less the idea for the first Speedy Tuesday watch was born. And I was one of the lucky few, I think it was like 50 attendees who were invited to um, Beale or Bien, now it's called in French, to Omega HQ and have a wonderful full day packed of um, a visit of the Omega Museum that is actually closed now and is going to reopen pretty soon, I think even next month, but didn't get any particular info on that yet. And we had some product showings and actually had my watch demagnetized. The Speedy was slightly magnetized back then. And yeah, that's where the first time I got to uh, know uh, Robert Jan and who was there as well, Mike Stockton, really great guy. And I have to check uh, on his articles as well. Just read one of his, um, again, yesterday, reading up on a Seiko 6309, which I might or may not purchase off uh, between the lugs uh, to Jan, shout out to him. And yeah, Bert and Gerard and the others, uh, the Toyn, who does um, watches and pencils as well, that section, I think they were attending back in 2016. And that was just meeting them as a watch enthusiast and reader of Fratello. And that's where we met. And then I was at another event last year in January. That's where they did an event together with Chrono24 in the awesome Chrono24 headquarters in Karlsruhe, which is like an old brewery, old castle kind of building. Very cool. And yeah, that's where I met uh, Robert Jan again. And then we kind of stayed in touch via Instagram. And then the third time I was lucky enough to uh, be part of such a Speedy Tuesday event was last January, or this January, uh, one day after my birthday. Uh, I think even on, yeah, Elvis, Elvis Presley's birthday, to digress a bit more again, <laughs> which was on the um, January 8th. And then, so that was at H, uh, the HQ of Omega as well again. And there, um, exclusively with the 50 other attendees or so, um, Mr. Eschleman, the CEO of Omega, and the team there introduced the, uh, or reintroduced the 321 caliber to us, actually before and we could look at it, and there were encased models there that we could check out. And just like on that day in the evening, the actual embargo lifted. So we were actually the first people outside of Omega to see and experience it, which was super cool. And on that evening, RJ, how we call him, Robert Jan, um, in the evening approached me and talked to me that they want to um, grow for telewatches and therefore... Uh, obviously want to invest in personnel as well and that I was one of the names he was thinking of and yeah, the 
how many people say the rest is history. <laughs> That's awesome. It just goes to show that relationships are, are everything in work, life, and hobbies. I second that, absolutely. Well, congrats again. Like you said, hopefully by the end of yeah, this thanks. episode, you're still employed by Fratello Watches. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And you know, just, it's just, it just comes to show how, you know, we talked all about the bad Instagram algorithm, and I know on a constant basis, everybody's hating about it and so on. And yeah, sucks, but, you know, just deal with it. And then it's, you know, make the best out of it. But it just comes to show how easy it's actually to interact with people that, you know, don't want to say because Obat Jan and others are like, you know, considered by a lot of people um, as like watch celebs. And wait, my son is knocking on the door. <laughs> so, yeah, he wanted to say hi. <laughs> so, and, you know, just, um, or for example, when I was on my way to, to Basel World in March, I, you know, I live kind of close to it. It was like two and a half hours by train. And I was listening to a Houdinki podcast. And I actually was, you know, I was um, yeah, thinking how it's going to be my first Basel World as a, as part of Fratello Watches, although I wasn't even officially hired, but I, you know, they had, we had the get go. I had like three months of leave with my other company. So I still officially was working from other job, but did, some things for Fratello already, as just um, attending um, Basel World and helping out there. And I was listening to the podcast and was um, somehow, I don't know, writing with James Stacy from Hodinki. And I actually missed my, my connecting train because I was so just listening to the podcast and uh, got there eventually. But and then like three hours later, I met him in the press lounge. And just, you know, it's just so cool and easy to connect with people. And yeah, just like they're regular shows as you and I. And it's just, um, just comes to show that everybody is pretty, pretty cool so far I've dealt with. And it's, as I said, really easy to get in touch with people. Yeah, for sure. Same with you, Max, right? I mean, I think, don't remember, I didn't keep any... I'm not cool. No, I'm not cool. <laughs> no, but just like, um, now obviously, congrats again to the both of you. You, um, OT on hitting the 3K, and you, Max, on hitting the 30K. But still, I remember from time back when you had whatever, under 10 or so, and was just like really, oh, maybe you weren't as annoyed and <laughs> <laughs> as you are now from the same questions, what setup are you using here and there? But was just like, Easy, easy peasy back then, I mean, because I renamed myself like three months ago. Back then I was, um, maybe some of the listeners um, known my account under the name Daniel's Watches. And now I changed it to dan.t.mueller. Just like when people uh, in their professional life change their email addresses from summer of pain to like first name, <laughs> last name and Gmail. <laughs> You know what's funny? I used to get more DMs uh, last year than I get now. Like for, for some reason, I feel like, and I I, uh, I spoke to someone who DM'd me the other day. They're like, "Oh my god, you replied!" I was like, "Yeah, why? Like, why are you surprised that I replied?" I have several reasons. Like, oh. Maybe the the awe that the people have because you know such one of the bigger accounts that they say, "Oh, I'm not even good." 
gonna DM him in the first I mean, place. 30k is hardly a big. Account. It's always compared to what you know, compared to what Anish. Obviously, you're small, but compared to you know, like to be fair, and I don't want to be like mean now, but compared to watch Anish, I'm tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No pun intended. But you know what? what are I mean? max could be just below average. Uh, actually, in height, <laughs> I'm pretty much average. Again, like fuck me, <laughs> fuck me, I'm average. So yes, yeah, it's uh, all right. You're ten ten times better than me on Instagram. Although my Tinder game is way above average, or was like it's not anymore <laughs> for the past few years, but it was. So I yes, yeah, maybe we can just whip out some stats, or wrist circumference and height. I think in one of the last episodes you guys talked about like only in the watch game you can ask someone about their wrist size. Yes. <laughs> What's your guys' wrist sizes again? So it's uh, six uh, seventy-five inches. So that's probably okay. around what is it like sixteen something S- seventeen no, seventeen seventeen yeah. a little bit. Just yes, average, average. And uh, <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm six foot tall, so that's one eighty. Okay. Okay. And you are I am. I am. I think seven and a quarter, seven and a half inches. Um, and then I'm about the same height as Mac. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, a fan of the metric system. Sen- 17 centimeters, which is equivalent, I think, to 6.7 inches. And I'm not, I didn't make the six feet. I'm like five, five eleven or so. Yeah, so there we go. I thought Average. I was 5'11 for a long time. And then someone that's six feet measured by their doctor um, told me that I was six feet because we were exactly the same height. Okay. But but we can call it five eleven and a half. Yeah. <laughs> but funny story, like two months ago, I had like a health checkup because you know, I'm just turned thirty eight, and there was one of the clerks or how you call him, one of the I don't maybe a, nurse have been a yeah, nurse or one of the interns or so, measuring me up, you know, putting me on the scale and then seeing how tall I was, and she said I was like. Whatever I don't, I wouldn't know now in feet, but not because I'm 180 centimeters or 181. And she said, "Yeah, I'm height 172." I said, "No, I I didn't shrink like nine centimeters." <laughs> so no, this is correct. <laughs> and she really well, t- typed that into her form uh, until later the the doctor checked again and she said, "Yeah." She- uh, don't, don't worry about it. My passport said 174 for, I don't know, probably like 10 years. Uh, okay. Some immigration uh, um, counter, somebody looked at me like, uh, you're not 174, you're taller than that. Well, what's wrong with your passport? I was like, what? I didn't even notice the whole thing. Like That stuff happened. And one of my cars, uh, they did a typo on the registration form. It was a 1.8 liter car, but it typed in oh. 18,000 uh, cubic centimeter or whatever. It's, they measured the whole thing in. And uh, I was like, 18,000. And I went back to the registration office. Ah, don't worry <laughs> about it. It's fine. I was like, wow, I have a rocket spaceship. Yeah, so that those typos are, are yeah. happening. And they're funny usually. Yeah, I did, you know, uh, hope no German passport or government officials are listening. I actually trimmed down the edges, not of my passport, but of my German ID card. The German would say Personalausweis. It's like the 
general ID card everyone carries around, and it's really big because they or they introduce the little like um, credit card sh uh, sized ID cards, but not after whatever 2014 or so. And I've had my ID card since 2010, and it didn't fit into my wallet, <laughs> so I just like cut cut the little trim or I trimmed off the edge of the ID card. And the first time it actually bit me in the butt was while I was attending Baselworld for the first time back then as a private watch enthusiast. And I was attending on the last day and it, was already, well, it wasn't even late yet. It was around noon, but a lot of stands were already packing up. And then I was in back then, they still had the little tent area where the independents were. And I was, you know, seeing that some of them were packing up and some, and I asked for the Ressence or Ressence stand and they said, yeah, I think they're about to pack up right now. And I really wanted to go there. And uh, I was, you know, kind of being hectic and looking uh, for where the stand was. And then I walked by the MBMF stand and I saw this little wooden figure stand there, which I'm actually, uh, I have on my desk right now. It was just like, one of these little giveaways, you know, a wooden figure that you can flex around and do funky shapes with. And no one was standing by the stand and it was already empty. And there was just this wooden figure there. And I said, oh, that was like one of these typical giveaways and no one there to ask if I say hi and if I may take it. So I took it and then I was continue put it into my backpack and continued uh, looking for the restaurant stand. And all of a sudden, two burly looking kind of guys, um, undercover policemen grabbed me by the shoulder and said, stop, please, and show us your ID. <laughs> and I said, oh no, they, they think I stole that MBMF man <laughs> or whatever. And then they actually, uh, you know, I was kind of acting peculiar in a whatever kind of way because I was looking at them and said, no, I, I'm looking for the restaurant stand. Everyone is packing up and it see them because I love their watches before they leave and I can't see them anymore. And they said, oh, okay. So they checked my ID, called in with their head, with their comm system they had there, checked in if anything was going on. And then the Swiss policeman actually um, figured out or realized that I kind of trimmed my, my ID card. And he said that he could detain me for that. And that was like document falsification and... Yeah, they had me like 10 minutes. I had to wait there, but they let me go. And they didn't accuse me of stealing the MBMF man. That's funny. The next time your your door knocks during the podcast, it won't be your son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope so, right. Yeah. So, but yeah, long story short, I missed the rest That's on stand. They were closed. So, so um, one of the things we wanted to talk about, and I don't know how much you can talk about this, is Fratello's collaborations with Omega. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. You know, Fratello has... So Omega is known for making a plethora of limited edition watches. But the ones that um, RJ and the team are making with Omega, I like to call, I like to call personally community limited because they're, you know, they're, they're inspired by the community, what the community loves, and then sold differently than others through the community in a way you know some of them were sold online etc exactly um can you share anything about any possible plans for continued 
not necessarily watches, but continued collaborations between Fratello and Omega or other brands, given that you're now the head of operations? Yeah, glad, glad you asked. First of all, I want to tell Max and everyone who's still listening, because we didn't talk that much about Fratello yet, about, but about me, so everyone who hasn't tuned out or fallen asleep yet. Um, this is a proud moment where especially Max, as one of the biggest fans of Omega Limited Editions, I want to announce <laughs> oh, that yeah. we're going to reduce 15 limited edition Speedy Tuesday models next month. <laughs> awesome. Yes. One oh. every other day. Yeah, really. Just say only yeah, right. 15. Yeah, just because it's a Tuesday. Every yeah. Tuesday for the next of the re- uh, for the next of the year, we're going to release a Speedy Tuesday model. Oh man, I- I'm so glad that you uh, that we didn't air the previous episode we recorded where I kind of like bashed <laughs> and pretty much uh, shit on Omega and their Speedmasters. I didn't say anything about the Speedy Tuesday because I think that's a different thing i i just shit on what omega is doing all by themselves in no ter- worries in terms and i of, totally uh, get you uh, in terms of mm. limited speed masters and it, it it's sad i mean it saddens me as a uh, watch enthusiast who actually picked up a Speedmaster as his what was it like third proper watch and i always dreamed about having a Speedmaster. But it was like, oh, I had this admiration for Omega. And uh, in recent years, that they pretty much managed to fuck it up royally when it comes to like hundreds of whatever gold editions. Mm. And, you know, the thing is, first of all, coming back to your question, OT, is we are fully independent. And that is something that is very important for Hubert Jan as the founder and editor-in-chief of Fratello Watches as well. So we're really, uh, you know, because you could see it that way. And if you reach a certain size, just like back in the day, Google and, and Apple were cool, you know, and then they became too big and people just don't like them anymore if they've done mistakes and other stuff as well as a whole different issue. But the thing is, every time like you do advertisement or cooperate with someone, then people could question it. Is that still fully independent? So, but this was actually, you know, and RJ always says that at the get-togethers or, you know, he's written about it lengthy as well, that he has a deep relationship with Omega from his grandfather and from his family who passed on those Omega watches as heirloom pieces. And he actually sold his car back then to fund his first Speedmaster with a 3 to one caliber. And yeah. And then um, wrote about watch blogs and so on, then actually decided to do it full time. And then it was in 2012 on a Tuesday where he decided just to put up a post and say here, Speedy Tuesday. And that's how it started. And that's actually the reason because or why the um, Speedy Tuesday first limited edition and then the second one, which is called the Ultraman, uh, are limited to 2012 pieces just to commemorate the year in which the entire Speedy Tuesday hashtag thing was started. I mean, the Speedy Tuesday itself is a different animal compared to the 6,969 pieces uh, Omega released uh, the 50th anniversary. That's the only issue I'm having uh, with like the amount of limited editions. I, I feel like a few a year, like, 
two three a year mm. is fine like you have a speedy tuesday release every year that's fine i i can i can live with that you have a 50th anniversary in this case that's perfectly fine you have maybe some other limited edition to mark something very special that's fine also but like keep the numbers the quantity itself keep it limited like keep it make people uh i don't know i don't know fight for it it's don't make it like really available it's more available than i can it's probably i I walk into an aureus shop and i probably don't have that kind of inventory i think you yeah i think you talked about that as well i think was it with alice curiosity uh, curious horology yeah so it's not special anymore and i get that point and it's not really you know limited if you do it the entire time and you said you know you you as a panorist yourself said that panorama does it too much as well so that's the thing and that i that i get and it's yeah in the end you have to see you know on one side of the spectrum you have like rolex that doesn't really do shit if i may say so to please the the demand that is actually out there and obviously their business is run a little bit different but and then you have obviously omega being part of this watch group and obviously being profit oriented and seeing okay the demand is there and we have so many enthusiasts and if we bring out a limited edition to this or that topic for let's say 2000 or 3000 pieces it's going to sell out rather quickly and then you know i think if you just do the math for the price that the speedy tuesday the first one sold i think that was pretty much 12 million of revenue for omega so and just to clarify that because um, people have asked that rj and fratello as well we didn't get any of that so that was a partnership we got a lot of exposure for that and i think the team members or so if i wasn't part of the team back then got each uh, speedy tuesday but besides that just like strengthening the cooperation and doing events and stuff afterwards which i'm going to come to is not that from that fratello got anything of this 12 million revenue stream yeah and and that's why i called them community limited versus everything else that omega is doing on their own Mm. i think there's a very different lens through which those watches are being released you know the ones max touched on versus the fratello limited I think there's a lot more, what's the word? Yes, um, I guess there's a lot more thought that goes behind what they are and how to release them. It has substance um, because it's, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, it's um, the guy himself, um, Robert Jan, you know, he started that thing and it has really become uh, a movement. I don't know the exact count of how many Speedy Tuesday hashtag posts there are, but it's become so popular that it's actually become, you know, that just as I said before with Apple and Google, that actually counter movements have arisen, just like not not a speedy Tuesday or I, what I think you talked uh, about that with someone as well who did that. Was it um, someone who invented the I don't own a speedy hashtag? Or what I, I was think uh, I don't own a speedy was Thai. And uh, Hi, I think Ty, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Pedro, um, uh, he had a similar hashtag, like uh, yeah, Detroit, yeah, Detroit, Detroit Watch Watch yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good one. So, you know what I mean? But it's become so big that you know, people, you know, kind of, or some people kind of get annoyed on a Tuesday when they're only Speedy Tuesday uh, posts because it has become so big. 
And obviously the Speedmaster in every variant, more or less, is just a cool watch. And I really respect Omega that they still have that as one of their cheaper mechanical, if I may say cheap, you know, mm-hmm. um, cheaper mechanical pieces, which is actually stands for Omega as well. And I've met Mr. Ashleyman twice, the CEO, and, you know, of course you can criticize them about their amount of um, limited editions, but what Omega besides that, and I'm saying this fully independently, just to get that straight, what they do as a brand, I actually really like and um, get behind. For example, these uh, events we're doing. You know, we st- started the Speedy Tuesday World Tour, and we already did two events in partnership with Omega, one in Milan and uh, one in Frankfurt. And in the one in Frankfurt, I actually could attend. So that was just, just awesome. Because just yeah, and we'll like, link to your article in the show notes as well. Yeah, thank you for that. So just let me check here real quick. Um, also, I just have to ask, why isn't there a San Francisco event? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people ask about why isn't there a, a, London, a London event, for I example. Know. <laughs> but you just have to start somewhere. You know, that's as far as I can say. I know, because, I'm just teasing. No, but really, you know, San Francisco or L.A., would be awesome. We uh, we're gonna have the New York event, I think, on September seventeenth. I think so. We're gonna do North America only if it's one city. So, but you know, at least better than nothing. But obviously, Australia mm-hmm. would be awesome. Australia is so big, so it actually would be cool if you start with Australia to do at least Perth, Melbourne, and one on top of Ayers Rock. <laughs> no, <laughs> and Sydney or something. Or so to do that but you know for now we did one in milan we did one in frankfurt and then the next ones coming up are singapore tokyo and new york so yes very cool yeah we'll make, we'll make sure to link the the rsvp yeah. um and details in the show notes i know and a lot of people are interested yeah, and it's just a, a cool way to connect enthusiasts. And actually, you know, because of that uh, event I attended in, in Frankfurt, I got to meet Charlie Duke, the 10th man who, who walked on the moon and told stories there. That was really so cool. I, um, I had to catch a train there because I had to get back because I had to work the next day for the, my other job. But I held the the 50th anniversary uh, model you know the new one or people call it the american america's ass because i think on the last one of the last episodes you talked about was was Aldrin's butt or didn't you oh, talk yeah. about yes, yes. and <laughs> yeah. for the people and now and you talked about avengers as well and for all the people who have walked yeah. watched the the last one the end game one without giving any way anything away and no spoilers there's one section where they actually talk about America's ass. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, and, you know, and really get those people to interact with those watches. And RJ has had, you know, he ordered actually the, the golden Speedy, you know, that they just brought out. And he's been wearing, ever since, I think even before Basel World, he's been wearing um, reference or number zero because obviously he didn't get his model that he ordered himself yet. So, but until the point where he gets his own one, he's been wearing the prototype model 
and he's been showing it at the get-togethers as well. And yes, just because I mainly interact with with the watch fam, with my private account, and now obviously with the Fratello one, but virtually, but just to get out there and as you do it, OT, with the Watch the Bay meetups, it's just awesome. And I, and I really love that that we can do that. For sure. And congratulations on starting Red Bar Germany. I can't wait to see where that goes. Oh, oh yeah, that's another thing, which is just like, um, I got a lot of DMs about that. And uh, people said, oh, yeah, I've been thinking about that. And I've seen that there's no not a single Red Bar in Germany. And yeah, I mean, because you know, I was saying and a lot of people think and talk about stuff, but I wrote a DM to Adam Cranioris, shout out to him and the Red Bar crew, and wrote him. And for full disclosure and just transparency, that was like, he's not so good answering DMs, uh, shots fired. <laughs> and, but it was like two months ago, and I said, I'm going to be joining Fratello watches, just that you know, because I didn't want to, you know, do anything sidetracked where it's not fully clear and so on. I said, I'm going to be head of operations for Fratello watches, but I'd be interested to found or to get the Red Bar Germany chapter started as well. And actually piggyback on the reach of Fratello watches because we have a large amount of newsletter subscribers and a large following in Germany as well. And just to make or do events that are not so closely tied with brands and with a brand like Omega, for example, just to get people there. And if it may be Berlin, Munich, or, you know, Constance, where I live, or even little town of Buxtehude, obviously we're going to go for the bigger ones first, but just to bring people together and, yeah, interact. That's cool. Let me know when the next one is in, uh, in Munich. I might be there. Okay, cool. Yeah, obviously we're going to be aiming to like start that off either in Constance where I live here, but that's right on the German-Swiss border. So when you're ever uh, near Zurich, um, that's just like a 45-minute ride from where I live. But obviously, you know, the usual suspects would be Munich, Frankfurt, Berlin, or Hamburg or something like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, awesome. and then... Yeah, and because in um, shout out another to my rewatch team brother uh, Ferenc, uh, or you know Ferenc Martin, uh, the founder of the rewatch team, who I actually met for the first time at the Oris party um, at Basel World. So that's just so cool, and that's why it really would have been cool to meet you there as well. I remember Max, we had like this little group chat going on. Oh remember? yeah, and right. Yeah. Everybody saying, okay, we're gonna be here and there and. And Tempus X was in it as well, and Chronoshop um, CZ, if I remember correctly, and Anthony from what is it from Anthony from Time and Tide watches. Yeah, there were like a couple of people in the group chat, and I ended up seeing a couple of you guys there. And you know, I think Jan, you know, Tempus X and Chronoshop, they and Ret, you know, Retech G, how his Instagram handle is. Uh, managed to come to the Oris's event as well. So that was just really cool to meet people who you've just known from an Instagram feed and writing DMs before. Yeah, but Basel World was pretty hectic because uh, I actually decided, I actually booked my hotel like a week before I uh, I flew to Basel. I had my flights and all, but I picked my hotel and I started like setting up meetings and appointments one week before, which 
you shouldn't do like yeah what did you pay for accommodation don't remember exactly but i was uh, cost of a speedmaster <laughs> uh, not really no it was it wasn't it wasn't that bad and i was like one block away from uh from the actual um from the actual show from the from the show floor so i could literally walk in like two and a half minutes nice yeah it was it was pretty good i expected switzerland to be more expensive like everybody said but uh for some reason i'm apparently i'm living in like weird places where it's probably the same or more expensive but it didn't feel more expensive than say san francisco or new york or um, i okay. don't know maybe, maybe just that's just me but like I, I judge it uh, in terms of whiskey and whiskey <laughs> was at the same level as i would pay in new york probably a little bit cheaper than some uh, places in new york same as san francisco same as a rooftop terrace in bangkok it's or a nice bar in dubai so it's pretty much on par with that you guys excuse me if i interrupt you, you guys heard of the big mac index uh, no it's actually something I heard of during my college time. It's just like to compare purchasing power across countries because you're just because uh, McDonald's obviously is a joint which is in almost every country of the world, and you can just judge from the price that they charge for a Big Mac how the purchasing power of that country is. For example, it's way way cheaper, let's say, in in America than it is in Switzerland, or it's very pricey in I think in uh, Sweden as well or a bit cheaper in Germany so just judging from the price of the Big Mac you can say uh, how expensive it actually is or how the purchasing power of that country yeah, is. I, I don't know about the Big Mac price but I know, uh, <laughs> I uh, don't George, know George at Mo Watches <laughs> and myself were kicked out of McDonald's at 4 a.m. on uh, okay. on a uh, what was it like Friday to Saturday friday night something like that so we were literally kicked out of mcdonald's because we, we stopped nice. at mcdonald's while walking home uh, so th that's the yeah. only thing i remember about the mcdonald's in switzerland i just remember my my mom visiting visiting us uh, from the states and that was last august and on their way back they went to a mcdonald's and somewhere in zurich or zurich airport and she said geez was that expensive like just a burger and fries cost them like 25 dollars so just to compare the prices, what's I think like eight bucks or something like that mm -hmm. in the states for like a normal meal, and if you say it's like twenty or something like that in Switzerland, you actually know where the that's funny where the hammer is hanging to say a German saying. I mean, the good part is the watches are aren't more expensive in Switzerland, so at least there is a there is a silver lining yeah. at some point. So, but excuse me, OT, you know, I'm not a politician, but I'm really good in digressing and I'm not a, didn't, didn't not want to answer your question from like, whatever, 15 minutes ago about uh, future Speedy Tuesday product, projects. So, um, because, you know, RJ, uh, it's really important for him not to dilute the Speedy product idea and brand. You know, as everybody knows or has noticed, there hasn't been a Speedy Tuesday after the Ultraman. So and there's not going to be another one coming in 2019. So that is something. And, you know, there, to tease a little bit there, how it goes, you know, with uh, things that are successful, there might be a, be a Speedy Tuesday in the future, but not in the right now immediate future where you can say in the next couple of months, hold on to your laptops and so on. 
because they're going to be sold out so quickly again. Because, you know, first of all, you have to have a good idea, design idea and a good idea behind it because it was the, the thing with the first one, with the uh, tribute to the Alaska project and with the design and with the second one with the Ultraman. And as you said, Max, we don't just want to bring out an ultra, um, a Speedy Tuesday like once a year just to do it. Which is good. I'm still waiting for my 15 uh, limited edition Speedmasters. I hope one of them at least is uh, has a black dial and is a <laughs> black dial limited edition. Yeah, yeah, maybe one day, you know, if you, um, you know, cooperate yourself. Uh, tr- trust me, uh, the, the way I shit on Omega in the last episode, I, I'm wondering if I will ever be invited to a official Omega event ever. <laughs> or if they won't reject me when I walk into a boutique. Like, oh, you're on the ban list. I'm sorry, your money is not welcome <laughs> here. Um, and I'll, then I have to drag myself, like, sadly to Rolex. And uh, I'm just going to get a... Oh, I'm just going to get a Cellini just to drown the, the sorrow. But maybe just to break a lance for Omega and, and Mr. Esch, uh, Reynold Eschneemann, for that matter, as the CEO of Omega. And we have, like, a little Fratello Watches What's Up group chat. And one topic that came up there, and I think it was just yesterday, was Robert Jan mentioning that one of the Fratello longtime readers um, commented on one of his posts because uh, RJ's daughter just turned six and he did a, a post to that um, about the Speedmaster he was wearing when she was born. And one guy commented that he actually just had twins and one kid um, died during childbirth. So obviously that is some... Have you shit to deal with, if I may say so, and to sink in. And RJ, the guy he is, he immediately like had the idea to, and because how the story was that the guy said he'd like to have, uh, he or the guy commented on the post of RJ that he might want to just engrave the back of his watch, his case back, to pass it on to his son, the, the twin who survived, to like commemorate his sister who passed away. And in that thing, RJ had the idea to have a custom case back made together um, or, or from us for him, for that reader, just to show his or our support for him. And then RJ actually reached out to uh, Reynold Ashleyman and he said, yeah, we're going to do it. So, um, oh, that's wonderful. and, and, and Probably, you know, if you want to be critical of someone or someone if doesn't like Fratello watches and doesn't like um, Omega, probably someone even might, uh, now that I'm just mentioning this as a marketing stunt, I hope no one does. And it's the farthest thing that I could just think of. But, you know, you guys you know how the Internet is, you know, people um, say nasty yeah, but that's, stuff. That's just a wonderful story. Yeah, it is. It and I don't shows. want to take anything away from it. And probably I don't yeah. even know if RJ is going to be mad at me uh, for mentioning this, but really just comes to show and, you know, that RJ um, thinks about something like that. And, and he said he would have paid it for, if Omega hadn't been on board, he would have paid for it himself. That's, that's the kind of guy he is. And, but, you know, on the other hand, um, Omega is very obviously not going to do some marketing stuff with it. Why shouldn't they? But, you know, Mr. Eshiman, you know, he just said to RJ, okay, we're going to get it done. We're going to do it. And so it's even making it more special. They're going to have a nice um, custom 
Speedmaster case back engraved with the design that the dad and mom are going to agree upon. So and they're going to do that for that Speedmaster. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and that's just the thing when we, you know, we hate on brands and everything and everyone who's publicly out there has to live with criticism, especially when, you know, how they do their distribution whatsoever. But I think stuff like that just comes to show that behind even such big brands or like a big magazine as Fratello Watches, and then there are people, and they're actually pretty cool people too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, on that note, I think we can um, start wrapping up. Thank you so much for being with us, Daniel. This was this was really fun, really insightful. Um, and I, you know, congrats again. Huge congrats on joining the team. I can't wait to see what you do with Fratello, what Fratello has in store in the future, uh, where Red Bar Germany goes, and just all the amazing things uh, ahead. We are honored to have you, and thank you again for all the support. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you very much, OT and Max. And not to end on the most negative point, but shout out to um, the family and friends of um, Instagram watch fam member Risty, who obviously passed away. And I just actually heard and um, right before recording the podcast. So I don't know what happened there, but my thoughts are with him and his family. Yeah, I think we all just found out and I think we can all echo the same sentiment. Absolutely. So thanks you for having me and all of us, you know, especially with the other story that I just shared, you know, watches is something, but just be glad that we're healthy and that we have the, the loved ones we have around us. Exactly. Or sitting in a hotel room with some beers. Nice. <laughs> Actually, without any beer anymore, but I'll, I'll, I'll make it up. Uh, okay. There's supposed to be a bar <laughs> here somewhere. Okay. That's awesome. Do it. All right. Thanks, okay. Daniel. Thanks, Thank Max. you, guys. Cool. Thank See you, you on guys. the flip side. Bye. Right. Yeah. Everyone listening, catch you on the next one. Ciao. If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on spotify or itunes and also please leave us a review thank you and catch you on the next one